I'm Pastor Dustin. I'm one of the pastors here at Life Church, and welcome to Church Online. If this is your first time watching us, we'd love to hear from you. Just leave a comment or a like, and let us know that you're watching. And also, if you need anything, you can always visit us at lifechurchutah.com, and we'd love to be able to pray with you about anything. If you'd like to participate in giving today, you can do so by texting the word LCGIVE to the number on the screen. Once again, thank you for watching Church Online here at Life Church Utah. God bless. Exile. That's not a word that you go, wow, that makes me feel really good. It's not one of those words you, you, you think to yourself, I like that word, but it's not a place that someone likes to stay in. Exile kind of speaks to this idea of, of second-class citizenry, oppressive culture, limited resources, and ever-decreasing opportunities for an individual or for a nation. And exile is, uh, is one of those things that when you find yourself in exile, uh, you realize it can happen to a nation, but it can also happen to individuals. And when we are in those moments of exile, those moments really, uh, to me, exile speaks of desperation because it's not the way things should be. And so to me, exile speaks of desperation. And God, in these desperate moments when I am separated, when I am isolated, when I am alone, when I, when I feel like the world is crashing around me and all my expectations are going unmet, I find myself in exile and I'm desperate. And God, I need a breakthrough. And so perhaps this is the foundation of the idea for the breakthrough that's needed. When you find yourself in a situation of desperation, a place where the, the next moment, your next decision uh, seems a little bit elusive. Like I, I thought I knew what I was going to do, but now all of a sudden what I thought I was going to do is no longer available to me or that option's been taken away. And Lord, what do I do now? Lord, I need a breakthrough. And if you've ever been there before, you recognize some of those feelings, that sense uh, that comes along with being in exile. Now, the needed breakthrough can be a huge number of situations when it comes to our lives. Um, I think there needs to be a breakthrough within our nation. I think, uh, you know, certainly on a national level, we want to see God do incredible things and bring righteousness and justice uh, in our nation. Um, but I think on an individual level, we have desperate situations that we need to see God come through on our behalf. I think back uh, many years ago when our uh, oldest daughter, who's 23, was probably about three years of age or so, um, uh, there was just a, a medical thing going on with her and some internal things happening, and we didn't know as parents uh, what to do next. And if uh, there was a point we had to take her to Children's Hospital, and they were doing some x-rays and scans and whatever and trying to figure out uh, what was going on inside of her. And I remember the helpless feeling as a parent when our daughter is being held down by strangers on a cold metal table and our daughter is screaming and our oldest daughter, when she was younger, she had a scream that ended all screams. We gave it a new scale. Instead of the Richter scale, it was the Kelsey scale. I mean, it was just like nurses would sit in the corners, ears plugged because it was so loud. And, but there she was, you know, being pinned down by strangers on a table to try to get her to be still for this test that was going on. And as a parent, you sit there desperate going, oh God, uh, we need a breakthrough in this moment. Think of a couple that I uh, sat across a kitchen table from. Um, we're in a desperate moment and uh, their marriage was in shambles. One of them had decided that the marriage wasn't enough and kind of went out and uh, uh, kind of broke the marriage covenant, and yet here the couple was together in a sense of absolute isolation from one another and brokenness and desperation in need of a breakthrough. 
and uh, sitting across from them and seeing the tears and the heartache and, and all of that, like, Lord, we need a breakthrough in this. Financial ruin just around the corner due to unemployment brought about by a company merger or a company closure. A son or daughter that's wandered away from the faith and now addicted to drugs. There's a family at uh, my former church. Uh, kids, you know, grew up in the church and, you know, loved the Lord as kids, but something happened along the way and had kind of got out on his own and has fallen away from the Lord, addicted to drugs down in the Florida and the parents' heartache that goes along with it. And I think for all of us, and maybe these, you know, these four situations and uh, just are representative of so many other moments in lives where we do have a sense of desperation, a sense that what we are walking through is not what we expected. And so, God, we need a breakthrough in my life. We need a breakthrough in our family. We need a breakthrough in our church, in our uh, place of employment, uh, our extended family, and in our nation. The thing is, for every one of those situations here in this congregation, uh, they can be echoed at Life Church Tooele, and they can be echoed in Iglesia Vida, and can be echoed in other families of God that are represented here in the Salt Lake Valley. We need breakthroughs. This is the human condition. It's the brokenness that we all struggle with and fight through. So how do we go about praying for a breakthrough? How do we go about believing God to, to meet these needs that we have that are so desperate and, and, uh, and, and kind of in our broken condition, God, how can we take a step forward? Well, there's this moment in history in Israel that's one of exile that I think is going to help us uh, kind of wrestle with how do we pray for a breakthrough in our own lives. So quick background uh, for us. Israel was in a place of authority and power and kind of ascendancy and things were going really well for them and there was a kingship and the nation was, was doing uh, pretty good and then there was a split within the nation and then after that there seemed to be this ongoing fall when uh, kind of the uniqueness of their relationship with God became very mundane and it became very normal. They didn't take it as seriously perhaps as they had before and cracks in the foundation of their faith began to uh, kind of whittle their way through and the nation began to crumble and to fall. Uh, there, was not, there was no longer this hunger for righteousness, no desire for justice. The enemies came and began taking chunks of the nation until pretty soon there wasn't much of a nation left. And then Judah, which was the, the last of the nation of Israel, uh, Judah was taken into captivity. They were broken people. And while they were there in Babylon, they were dispersed among all the other conquered nations, put into servitude, and they were oppressed seemingly without hope. It's not a very pretty picture. It's not a very pleasant picture uh, for us to start with, but that is, uh, for, for many of us perhaps uh, this morning, uh, that's kind of where we feel ourselves at times. But there were pockets of faith. And I want to encourage you today that even in your darkest moment, I believe that the light of Christ can still shine. And I do believe that, that the, the things that you learn here on a Sunday morning or maybe learn in the life groups or uh, maybe learn on a Wednesday night uh, or on your own study time, those things and those dark moments in your life, they will come back. And I don't think that God leaves us in that darkness. He wants to bring us light. So he, um, so there were pockets of faith, and one of those was the prophet Jeremiah. 
Jeremiah also had experienced freedom. He also experienced what it was to be in exile. In Jeremiah 29, verse 13, this is what Jeremiah says to the people, uh, to people of God uh, through the Lord. It says, you will seek me and find me, talking of the Lord. When you seek me with all of your heart, I will be found by you. That's an encouraging word in the middle of exile. God says, I will be found by you. So if this is our start, starting point, what can we learn from the exile of Israel for a breakthrough in your life today? So there's several points I want to get into, but I want to talk particularly about a guy by the name of Daniel. Now, Daniel, if you've been around the church for any length of time, you'll, you'll recognize Daniel as the guy that was in the lion's den and uh, was expected to be killed by the lions, and then the king comes back the next day and realizes, hey, Daniel was rescued and set free and uh, really good things, and the worship of God was proclaimed. Daniel was one who refused to uh, bow down uh, to the idols. Daniel had three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they were thrown into the fiery furnace. So, so this is who Daniel's surrounded with, incredible miracles and vision from God and great things are happening around Daniel, and yet he is in exile along with everyone else. He is caught in the crosshairs of history and is also in a place of desperation. And not only for, um, on the personal level, and you'll see this in some of what we're going to be going through, but he had a tremendous sense of responsibility, uh, not only for himself, but for the entire nation of Israel. He was somebody who took it upon his own heart to say, God, I'm not representing just myself in all of this. Lord, I'm looking at something larger than me. And so here's what Daniel discovered first about, about praying for a breakthrough. This is it. Let God speak to me before I speak to him. Let God speak to me before I speak to him. This is the starting point. How can we possibly claim to know someone without knowing their heart? without knowing how they respond in situations and under pressure. And so I've been married for 26 years, uh, actually 26 and a half now, and, uh, to, to, to Shelly. And I feel like after all of those years that I know how she's going to respond, right? I mean, I, I, can, I can pretty much figure out what, she, what she's going to say next when I've done something stupid. <laughs> which happens uh, far more often than I would like to admit to. Um, I, can, I, can, I can understand that because we know each other. We've been around one another. We've cried together. We've prayed together. Uh, I mean, all of the, the, we've done life together. And so I, I know her. And so I, I understand her voice and her heart. Not all the time. <laughs> There's times I don't get it right and I get the look. Anybody ever gotten the look? Any men out there got the look before from your wives? Yes, yes, solidarity, yes, we've been there. It's only happened once that I remember. Relationship with God is somewhat similar in the sense that we need to get to know God's heart. How do we get to know God's heart? Well, we have something called the Word of God, this incredible Bible, which is a, a love letter, in essence, written to us that God invites us to read. Every one of us. It's beautiful. And this is what he says in Daniel chapter 9, verse 2. Uh, during the first year of his, that's Darius the Mede, uh, during the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord, as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet, that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. 
So Daniel, this, this holy man of God, where does he turn first and foremost to find the heart of God? He turns to the written word, and it happened to be Jeremiah, who's already in the same category as Moses as the word of the Lord. So he turns to this word of the Lord and says, I want to know more of the heart of God. And as he's reading the word, he realizes that Jeremiah revealed, because he was a prophet, he revealed something about God's plan and God's timing and said that that, um, Israel's time in captivity and exile is going to be 70 years. And this got Daniel to thinking, Lord, we're going to do something about this, and we're going to begin to pray because we're in exile and we need a breakthrough. So how important is, is it for us to know the words of God? I think it's absolutely vital for us. John chapter 15, verse 7, this is Jesus' words to his disciples in this moment when he's really saying this prolonged goodbye to his disciples, those closest to him. He says, stay joined to me and let my teachings become part of you. Let my teachings become part of you. Then you can pray for whatever you want and your prayer will be answered. Fill your minds with scripture. Fill them. Do whatever you can. Get the word of God into your heart and into your mind. Uh, Let the words of God resonate in these hollow moments when hope seems lost because what you will find happens is the word of God comes back to you in those moments of desperation. That in the middle of that trial, middle of that tribulation, middle of that struggle, something that God has spoken through his word, through the black and white on those pages, something God has spoken will come back to you in those moments. And I want to encourage you, how many of you find reading the Bible at times discouraging and confusing? Raise your hand real quick. I mean, that's totally, I'm with you. I'm in like getting a master's degree in divinity. That sounds really important. Uh, But boy, I sit down sometimes read the Bible and I'm going, I don't know what this means. And I'm struggling with this. So you're in really good company. There were a lot of hands that were raised during that time. So when we find it difficult, here's what I want to encourage you to do. This is really deep theology. Start somewhere. There's something called the Bible app. Have you ever heard of it before? (laughs) Bible app has a verse of the day. Start with the verse of the day. And then make it a commitment that it's not just the verse of the day over the next month and that you start reading somewhere within the Word of God. And can I encourage you, here's where I'd like for you to start reading if you've never read the Bible before. Even if you have and you want to start again, here's where you go. Uh, Go to the book of John. John wrote it and what he said in the book of John is he said, I'm writing this so that you may believe. And sometimes we need a reminder of of what we believe. And then after you're done with that, that's 22 chapters. After you're done with that, then make your way to uh, the book of 1 John. 1 John, he wrote that uh, because he said, I want to make sure that you understand why you believe and you keep believing. And so that's going to help you in your faith. So start in either one of those books. I think it's going to be a great thing for you. But start somewhere and let it become part of your life. So Daniel, starting with the word as a foundation, he goes to the next level. He says this, focus my attention on God. Focus my attention on God. Daniel chapter 9, verse 3. It's pretty simple here. It says, I gave my attention to the Lord to seek him by prayer. I gave my attention to the Lord to seek him by prayer. Now, after reading Jeremiah, starting with uh, letting God speak to him, it's only then that uh, that Daniel goes to the Lord and it says he gave his attention in prayer. Now, can I be completely honest with you, right, in this moment? Actually, I will be completely honest with you. (laughs) Um, I find at times it difficult to pray. Anybody with me? 
Or am I the only one? Okay, good. Not the only one. That's great. Your pastor finds it difficult to pray. Here's why. Uh, Anybody ever seen the movie Up? Remember the dog named Doug? Okay, that's me in prayer. Okay, the, the thing is he meets, you know, he goes up there. I have found a new master. I love you. Squirrel. And then he comes back to the conversation that he's having. Okay, that's what Doug does. He's a dog, and that's what he does. Gets distracted very easily with the ball, and you know, goes chasing after it. That's how I feel like in prayer. I mean, my, it's like this at times in my own prayer life. Lord, I just cannot wait to come to you in prayer, and I am here, Lord. I am here 100%, and my bed's not made. Let me get up and make my bed real quick, and then sit back down. Oh, God, you know, it's awesome. You're wonderful. Did I change the oil in my car? No, I didn't. I guess I better go do that before I finish. Anybody experienced that before in your life, okay? This is, this is common, I think, to all of us because we have a brain, <laughs> right? And so we struggle with our prayer. We struggle with keeping that focus. That's why I think it says here, Daniel, I gave my attention. He's like, Lord, I cannot do this on my own. I'm giving this to you because I need help focusing in prayer. This is also common to us uh, because there is a very real enemy of our soul. And the enemy does not, wants to do anything that he possibly can in all of his minions to get us to not focus on our prayer life, to not focus on our spiritual life. Because he wants nothing uh, other than for us to fail at living for Jesus Christ. And so we struggle with this. This is across the board for us. But listen uh, to these words of encouragement. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17. It says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. Those who seek me diligently, that's focus. And from our friend Jeremiah, and I've already read this, but read it again. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all of your heart, I will be found by you. That's focus. (laughs) Hebrews 11. Uh, It's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists, and he rewards those who sincerely seek him. That is focus. So we need to be a people that are marked by focus in our prayer life. And once again, I will tell you, start somewhere. Take some time, a little bit of time, and say, God, I'm going to give you these next 30 seconds. And you might think 30 seconds is not a long time, but when you, guarantee, when you start to say, I'm going to focus on spiritual things, that 30 seconds will quickly feel like forever for you because you're focusing in a way you haven't ever before. And there are others of you, prayer comes very easily and naturally for you. Those are our intercessors. I love you and I thank you. And it is so difficult for us to focus at times. So we've heard from God. We focused our attention. Next, we need to demonstrate our seriousness when it comes to this need for breakthrough. This is actually a really important part of the prayer for breakthrough. It's, it's here that the breakthrough importance is shown individually when we say, God, we mean business when it comes to uh, these needs that are in our life. And uh, uh, speaking of chores, we talked about making the bed um, Maybe you've experienced this before as well. Maybe this is also with focus, but uh, you know you do have to mow the lawn. And you say, I'm dead serious about mowing the lawn today. But then anything possible, you welcome 
to come to, to make it so that you don't end up mowing the lawn today and you say, I'll get to it tomorrow, right? And it ultimately reveals that you're not very serious about mowing the lawn today, even though you said it. And I think God wants to challenge us to find out just how serious we are about the needs that are in our life. How serious are we to pray for our marriage? That's in shambles. How serious are we to pray for our children that are away from the Lord? How serious are we in bringing our neighbors to the Lord in prayer because they don't know Christ? How serious are we? Daniel chapter 9, verse 4. It's out of the message Bible. I poured out my heart, bearing my soul. Bearing my soul. That to me is a serious word. I am, I am opening up every bit of me, all the ugly parts, all the wonderful parts, all the parts I'm proud of, all the parts that are shameful in my life. God, I am bearing it all because I am dead serious about this need for breakthrough. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 3, so just before this, he says, Then to show sorrow, I went without eating and dressed in sackcloth and sat in ashes. Anybody ever worn sackcloth before? Uh, I haven't either, uh, but the best analog we have would be um, go, go buy a potato sack today, like a burlap one, and then just walk around in it for a day. <laughs> okay, that's sackcloth. Uh, chafing and all sorts of other problems would happen, right? It is not a comfortable thing. But Daniel is saying, I mean business, God, when it comes to how I am praying. This is serious to me. And so he changes his eating habits. Right? He, he fasts. He, he goes without food for a season of time. He means business. You find it hard to give up one meal? <laughs> I do, right? I mean, it's like I, I'm hungry and my body says, I want food. <laughs> and you get hangry then at that point. It's just not a pretty thing. But he says, it is serious enough for me to show you, Lord, that by my eating habits... And the way I'm changing that, God, I mean business. Well, I'm, I'm literally, for Daniel, I'm literally changing the clothes that I'm wearing and I'm choosing to sit in an uncomfortable place because of how serious I am about, God, what I want you to do in my life and what I need to see you do in my life for a breakthrough. This whole idea, I think, leads us to the knowledge that... Um, it's not us changing situations because we are powerless to do it, but it's us acknowledging through our seriousness that, God, you are the only one who can change my circumstance. God, you are the only one who can turn hearts around. God, you are the only one who can turn this for your glory. These desperate moments, uh, the seriousness that we have associated with it in these desperate moments shows God that we mean business. And the great thing is that this isn't all, um, I think, uh, talking about the seriousness, it feels like it's really heavy and kind of burdensome, and, and, and there are parts of that. But I love what Daniel does is very, very quickly, um, when he says, hey, I mean business, I'm giving up food, I'm changing my clothes, I'm choosing to sit in different places. Uh, this is, he, he reminds us of this one thing, and he thanks God for his love and promises. So he quickly moves on from the seriousness and says, God, the seriousness is because you are a God of love and a God of promises. Daniel chapter 9, verse 4. 
says, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. O Lord, you are a great and awesome God. You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands. And then verse 9, Lord God, you are merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against you. Read that again. Even though we've rebelled against you, you are merciful and forgiving. What an incredible God we have. What an incredible God that we serve. And this is our foundation, the God of love, the God willing to give, the God of hope, the God who hears our cry for help, the God of covenant loyalty, the God who gave his one and only son for us because he loves us and is faithful to his promises, even though we don't deserve it, even though we are unworthy. I'm going to invite our worship team to come on up here as we uh, close out here pretty quickly. Remember those cards that you got there for the breakthrough things? Maybe God's working on your heart and saying, oh yeah, I remembered this and you've got like 60 more things to write down. That's totally cool. Write down lots of things. We're going to be doing something with them in a, just a moment. So make sure you write those things down. And so finally Daniel comes to this moment and perhaps all of this building to a conclusion for us with Daniel. Uh, we like Daniel, we need to humbly confess my sin. I need to humbly confess my sin. Listen to Daniel chapter 9, beginning at verse 5. So remember, this is right after saying, God, you're the, you're the God of glory, the God, the, the majestic God, the marvelous God. Verse 5, but we have sinned terribly by rebelling against you, rejecting your laws and teachings. We've ignored the message your servants, the prophets spoke to our kings, our leaders, our ancestors, and everyone else. Verse 7, everything you do is right, our Lord, but we still suffer public disgrace because we have been unfaithful and have sinned against you. This includes all of us. I love this about Daniel. He puts himself right. If there was anybody in the Bible who could say he got it right, it would be Daniel. There's nothing in, in, the, in the Bible that says Daniel did anything wrong, and I could just see Daniel, hey, Lord, all those other people are sinners, not me. No, he puts himself in that category. This includes all of us, both far and near. The people of Judah, Jerusalem, and Israel, as well as those that have been dragged away to foreign lands, and even our kings, our officials, and ancestors. Lord God, you are merciful and forgiving, even though we've rebelled against you and rejected your teachings that came to us from your servants, the prophets. And then verse 18 Oh my God, lean down and listen to me. Open your eyes and see our despair. We make this plea, not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy. Folks, we cannot work our way to heaven. We cannot work our ways in, into a, a good standing with God because we are rebellious at the core of who we are. We need God's mercy. And God's mercy is found only in Jesus Christ. We make this plea not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy. Daniel sees this opportunity to confess not only for himself, but for the entire nation, all of his people. He sees the trends. He understands what's going, around in the, going on in the culture around him. He sees this rot and decay that's happening, and he says, God, forgive us of our sins. Remember at the very core of uh, uh, the, the, uh, the prayer from last week from the Lord's Prayer, the very core of the Lord's Prayer says, forgive us our sins 
very center of it. There are times that our own unconfessed sins can keep us from breakthrough. There are times when that sin gets in the way of us moving forward. And that's why what Daniel did was so important for a breakthrough. That's why it's important for us as well. Just like last week, reiterating that we need to be a people of confession because we have a God who forgives us. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.